Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 75 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, you of course know who this is. This is at Sir Dr. JM. If you are new around here, I'll introduce myself. I'm Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. You can find me over on Twitter, over on Instagram. You can follow me at Sir Dr. JM. Why not give me a follow, especially on Twitter, and reach out to me over there. Give me your questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, topics of the show show anything you want me to discuss as it relates to overwatch overwatch 2 overwatch league uh blizzard or video games as a whole i'm happy to interact with you over there uh dm me tweet at me whatever you've got enough with all that though We've got a show to talk about, so let's get in there. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Now, of course, I also encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. As a heads up, you can get that on podcast services everywhere. But in case you weren't aware, uh, not this past week, but the week before that, we had the chance on Ready, Set, Pwn to interview the illustrious Sean Miller, uh, the head of the Overwatch League. So definitely go check out that interview. It was a great interview. It was nice to, uh, nice to chat with him. Very nice fellow. Uh, we had a great little interview. Now, on today's episode, well, I think you already know what you're here for. We have our kickoff clash champions both in the East and and the West. So without further ado, let's dive on in. I need healing. All right. So before we get to the kickoff clash, we are, of course, going to pop on over and go through some news stories here, as is tradition with the show. I do, however, want to mention there are only a few news stories before we get into the kickoff clash coverage, discussion, etc., etc. We're not going to necessarily break down each and every match um, just because that's, you know, I'll leave that to the experts. But we'll touch on each one. I'll give you the score at least. Um, obviously, full spoilers. If you haven't watched any of the games and you want to and you don't want to know the score, then don't listen to this episode or, you know, listen until that point. Anyways, let's get on to our first story. First, we're going to head over to DottieSports.com with an article posted on June 1st by Isaac McIntyre. City of Second Chances, Paris Legion, Paris Eternal, to relocate to Las Vegas in 2023. Call of Duty League and Overwatch League League franchises, sorry, Paris Legion and Paris Eternal will relocate to Las Vegas ahead of their respective 2023 seasons. The ownership company behind both teams has confirmed after half a decade of representing the French capital in Activision Blizzard's esports leagues. The two Activision Blizzard franchise slots are owned by Drew McCourt's DM Esports, who recently filed trademarks for Vegas Legion and Vegas Eternal branding. Quote, the rumors are true. We are excited to announce a new chapter for Eternal fans. End quote. The Overwatch League half of the DM Esports combo revealed on June 1st. The CDL half Paris Legion released a similar statement at the same time. Quote, in 2023, uh, whatever, square parentheses, the teams will be relocating to Las Vegas, they confirmed. The swap won't be instant. Both orgs will play out this year as Paris representatives. Quote, for now, we're looking forward to blowing away the comp for the rest of 2022. Dual relocation announcement comes amid rocky starts to the 2022 season for both Parisian squads. In the Overwatch League, the Eternals just failed to qualify for the 2022 Owl Kickoff Clash playoffs after finishing 0-6 and in qualifiers, while the Legion have dropped into last place in the CDL standings. Since being founded in 2020, the Legion has struggled to make any real impact in the Call of Duty competitive scene. The team, which is running three Americans and a Canadian in their lineup, has just won, oh, has won just $162,500 in non-Warzone events. 
The Eternal has fared a little better since its 2019 arrival. The Parisians ran 14th in their opening regular season, missing playoffs before lifting to 4th in 2020. Their postseason run that year ended in disaster, however, as they were punted out in 7th to 8th in 7th to 8th, via a 0-3 sweep at the hands of the Washington Justice. The team reshuffled through 2021, but slipped back to 12th to end their third year. Between 2019 and 2020, the Overwatch half of the Paris combo fielded six French players, including Soon and Hype. Hype? Hip? I can, can't remember. On the COD side of the outfit, just one French player ever made the roster. Breezy. Brett, Brett, Brezzy? The 22-year-old spent 11 months as a substitute for his home team in 2020 after being dropped alongside the Legion's original Australian core. Activision Blizzard has been eager to bring OWL and CDL franchises to Sin City for some time now, though many fans expected it to be via expansion rather than relocation. The city boasts more than 640,000 residents and provides the perfect spot to host esports events for both rosters in 2023 and beyond. The loss of both Paris teams puts a dent in European aspirations for the Call of Duty and Overwatch enterprises, however. The CDL will have 10 American teams from next year, alongside one English team and one Canadian team. Hmm. Mister, I'm just going to take a second here to scroll up and check out Isaac McIntyre here, who seems to think that either the Toronto Defiant or the Vancouver Titans are not a Canadian team, because we do... Oh. Wait, the CDL will have 10 American. Sorry, I thought we were talking about Overwatch League. Let's get back on track. The CDL will have 10 American teams from next year alongside one English team and one Canadian team. In the Owl, the Eternals' impending relocation leaves 2018 champions London Spitfire as the sole European team along 14 franchises from North America, 5 from China, Korea, and Hong Kong. Drew McCourt's father, Frank, owns League One football heavyweights, Marcia. So there you go. Apologies for the, the slip-up there. I, I almost... I almost raged thinking uh, thinking one of, they were talking about the Overwatch League there for a second. Anyways, I digress. Um, a bit of a, kind of a, I, like, I don't know how to approach this. I guess, oh, pause one second. I guess it's it's a shocking revelation to see this kind of thing happen. Um, the nice thing is, obviously, plenty of notice. This is not happening until next season. They're not immediately dropping their entire roster. Um, obviously the roster that is signed currently now has to think about the fact that, hey, you're not going to have a team next year, likely. Um, but in any case, uh, good to see them approaching it this way. Kind of too bad that, you know, it mostly I, I would wager it was at least pushed to be unveiled because of the trademark filings and people kind of uncovering that. Um, although I think once those went through, they were probably pretty much ready to announce it. Um, you know, given the, the 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 shit show we've seen with uh, organizations like the Los Angeles Valiant re- uh, relocating and things like that. So I digress. Um, you know, it'll be interesting seeing another team in North America. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, they're going to be, um, you know, uh, almost more well-equipped for for the league. I think being based out of Paris um, or Europe in general was a challenge for, for many teams, um, just time zone-wise and everything like that. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, London and Paris are both playing out of LA this year, um, which does help with that. And obviously just having the team actually located uh, you know, in Las Vegas will, uh, will certainly keep them kind of in that umbrella. So anyways, there you go, Paris fans. Hope you're uh, ready to cheer for Las Vegas. Moving on from there, our next three news stories are all actually 
about the same team. Uh, two of them are about the axing of certain uh, players and staff, and one of them is about a signing. That's right, I'm sure you guessed it. We're talking about the Vancouver Titans. So first, over on June 1st, just before the kickoff clash, this was Wednesday of last week, kickoff, kickoff clash, of course, started on Thursday. So first, we have the Vancouver Titans tweeting, Today we say goodbye to at PsychoOW. Thank you for your hard work and positive energy throughout each game. We wish you the very best in the next chapter of your career. So that is, of course, um, the Vancouver Titans saying goodbye to one of their newer additions, Psycho uh, Flex DPS, Maxillian Otter. Um, I would be remiss to say that this wasn't, or that this was a, no, that this wasn't a shock to most fans. I don't think anybody really truly saw Psycho being on the chopping block or saw him as, um, as maybe a weak point um, on the Vancouver Titans roster. Uh, looking at the, the replies to this tweet, you know, there's, there's a bunch of question marks. There's no, there's I'm so sad, there's WTF, there's what, no, no, this isn't real, uh, you know, L, wait, no, um, yeah, question mark, question mark, question mark, oh no, lots of this kind of sentiment. I don't think anybody really truly thought that, um, you know, Psycho was the weak point or anything. Does that indicate larger problems? Hard to say. I think that probably indicates um, something we'll talk about in a second here. So actually tweeted out at that exact same minute at 4 p.m. on June 1st as well were, was this message also from the Vancouver Titans. Today we announced that Steve Flubby Cornell, Cornell and Ali Pew Anwar have stepped down as the head coach and assistant coach of the Titans. We want to thank them for their dedication, professionalism, and positivity throughout the last two years. Thank you and all the best moving forward. So that is head coach and assistant coach Flubby and Pew being axed from the Vancouver Titans. Now, it does say that they step down from the position. I do question how much stepping down they actually did and how much more it was a simply a conversation of, look, we have to make a change and all signs point to you guys. Um, it is very interesting because, I mean, after the Vancouver Titans had underperformed to such a dramatic degree um, thus far in the this, this season five of the Overwatch League, um, I think everyone was pretty much shouting, what's going on with the coaching staff? Why did we get an entirely new roster, but no changes on the coaching staff? Um, and this is kind of something that we had talked to... Uh, Talk to um, 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 Justin, the the GM, Justin Hughes, uh, over on the Ready Set Pwn podcast. Shortly before, uh, you know, maybe a month or so before we interviewed Sean Miller, we interviewed uh, GM of the Vancouver Titans, and we talked to to Justin about the coaching staff and about the team. And he said, you know, I don't think you've seen everything we can bring to the to the table, and uh, you know, we've got some more to show. And clearly, uh, that didn't really happen. Although I don't think Vancouver had entirely disappointing games they had mostly disappointing games their their first game against boston was a banger definitely could have gone either way there might have even been a bit of a c9 on vancouver's part causing them to lose that match 3-2 um, but we also saw them really kind of step up in a few other games and even take maps off a dominant force like the san francisco shock so there's been these you know the smallest glimmers of hope i would say and i stand by the fact that if that loss to boston that 3-2 loss to boston had come later in the tournament cycle, I think people would be much less down on the Vancouver Titans than they are right now because that was the opening game. 
So I think that started things off with a bang. And then after that, it's just been downhill from there. Whereas if we had started things off with, you know, maybe just a loss, maybe a 3-1, a 3-2, or maybe a 3-1 or 3-0 or something like that, or less of a close 3-2, then I think that we would have kind of started low and then maybe we build to that and they get so close and they just can't close it. But at least we see some some growth in them. But it definitely, the season has not shaped up that way thus far. So this all says to me, um, all fingers were pointing at the coaching staff. Obviously, these decisions don't necessarily, sometimes they do, but don't necessarily happen overnight. So it does make me wonder, did Justin or uh, the organization as a, as a whole have conversations with Flubby and Pew and say, look, uh, we want to see results. Do we keep you? Do we let you go? Maybe Flubby and Pew said, you know what? Uh, keep us for the kickoff clash. We'll show you results. If we can't show you results, we'll step down. Maybe the organization went to them and said, it's time to show results. We'll give you the kickoff clash. If you can't get us into the tournament or you can't show some growth here, then we're going to ask you to step down. Could be either of those. Could be something entirely different. Could be flip of a coin. Could be they just decided, you know what? We haven't seen a single win this season yet. Let's get rid of them. Or there's also the potential that another coach stepped into the ring. And that, of course, leads us to our final news story before we talk about the kickoff kickoff clash this uh, this episode. June 6th, that was yesterday at 1.01 p.m. via Twitter web app. The Vancouver Titans tweet, the king of the wild makes his return to Owl. We believe his expertise will... Ev- Let's try that again. We believe his expertise will elevate our team to the next level. Welcome to the team at DPAYOW. Hashtag force of nature. Hashtag OWL2022. Welcome, DPAY. So, this was a bit of a mic drop moment. Now, of course... Um, uh, of course, there were rumors swirling about this. Almost as soon as Flubby and Pew being let go or, or stepping down, whatever it was, was announced, um, I do think we started very, very quickly seeing the rumors about uh, about Deepay joining the Vancouver Titans. Now, those rumors were swirling. I kind of took them with a grain of salt, although, you know, given the timing and given the sources and everything, it did seem pretty credible, but I just kind of don't buy into the speculation a lot of time because I don't want to be, you know, disappointed or surprised or anything. Well, I'd rather just be surprised when it happens. So anyways, um, this is potentially a pretty huge signing for the Vancouver Titans. Now, Deepay famously, well, somewhat famously, uh, before the start of this season, maybe a couple months before, um, seemingly had a bit of a falling out with the Los Angeles Gladiators. So the organization that, of course, he's been with for many seasons prior to prior to this. Um, there was some drama around that. It was, you know, there were, there were rumors about him getting in disagreements with the organization and the upper management, and that's why they let him go. Um, there were rumors that, you know, he was rude and all sorts of stuff like this. Um, I'm hopeful that this means good things for the Vancouver Titans. What will be really interesting given the timing of him coming in, is I suspect he's probably being given a mandate of work with the group you've got here for the rest of the season. All we want to see is some progress, you know, maybe you get a couple wins. Um, I've got my fingers crossed that Vancouver comes out of the gate kicking with some, you know, renewed faith in, some, in the organization and some new leadership. 
and uh, hopefully, you know, they can really step things up and hopefully they get a win. You know, it'd be great to see them suddenly get a win right off the bat. Now, obviously, you can't chalk all that up directly to the coaching staff if they suddenly win their first game back in the, I believe it would be the Midseason Madness qualifiers. Is that right? Tournaments. Uh, I can't seem to find it right this very second. Uh, Let's go here. Uh, nope, that's not going to be it either. Anyways, um, I believe that's our next... Oh, yeah, Midseason Madness. There it is. Um, anyways, it would be great if they uh, start things off with a win, start things off with a bang, and hopefully they can keep that train going. Um, that said, they've got a tough schedule ahead of them, so they're going to need some strong leadership, um, and hopefully Depay is that for them. The other side of it is, of course, where does this leave us at the end of the season? Now, I think... Generally, players and coaches, players a little bit of an exception because of the whole 30-day contract signings that they can do. Uh, But generally speaking, I think that uh, coaches don't sign on for three quarters of a season or even just one season as a whole. Wouldn't surprise me at all if this means Depay is going to be the coach for the the remainder of this season as well as next season at a minimum. And that also likely means we see a rebuild at the end of this season. Now, I don't think that comes as much of a surprise given the current roster status and the current standings of the team. But if Depay is able to make something work, then that will, you know, throw that into question a little bit. But ultimately, I don't think uh, this is probably the team he would build given the choice. Now, the other, 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 other side of that is the fact that... Um, Depay will attract talent as well. Obviously, he has a history with the Los Angeles Gladiators. Um, It's hard to say, you know, not being super tied to the scene. It's hard to say what players think of him, but we know that a good coach has been known to attract good players in the past. Um, And that's not in me, uh, that's not me in any way saying that Depay is necessarily a good coach. I don't know if he is a good or bad coach. Um, Obviously, his history with the Gladiators would indicate that at the very least, the org liked him because they kept him around for so long until, you know, obviously things kind of deteriorated to an extent. But the other side of that is, you know, generally if a coach isn't getting along with players and things like that, they won't stick around or they don't want to be in that environment. Someone like Space has remained with the Gladiators uh, even to this day, that kind of thing. So I do think Depay has uh, has some cachet in the scene and will definitely attract Uh, some players to the Vancouver organization. So exciting stuff on the Vancouver side of things. Uh, Looking forward to really seeing what he can bring to the table. Now, let's get into some recap stuff. We're going to chug some recap juice here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the grand, not the grand final, the kickoff clash finals. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't actually find a good breakdown of the... um, the East region games, um, or, or even the East region final. And I actually didn't really watch much of the East region at all. Um, so I'm going to read an article here, another one from dotesports.com, June 5th, posted by Ethan Garcia, where he breaks down the Los Angeles Gladiators versus Dallas Fuel game. Um, and then I'll just kind of cover the scores in the East. Um, I will cover the scores in the West as well, but uh, when it comes to the East, I, I just I couldn't find a good breakdown, so I don't have too much to say about that. So Let's get into it. Dotesports.com, Ethan Garcia, June 5th. Nano boosts and tactical visors help Los Angeles Gladiators sweep Dallas Fuel in Owl Kickoff Clash Finals. The Los Angeles Gladiators completely overwhelmed the Dallas Fuel in four straight wins today, earning the right to call themselves the champions of the Overwatch League's Kickoff Clash. The Gladiators entered the tournament as the third seed behind both the Fuel and the San Francisco Shock, but they successfully maintained their upper bracket run all the way to the end. Starting on Ilios, the Fuel appeared to be incredibly worn out after... 
their four-game series against the Atlanta Reign. Struggling to even contest the Gladiators controlled well. Uh, that was the end of the sentence there. <laughs> Multiple nano boosts from Shu onto his DPS and tank teammates allowed the Gladiators to completely roll over the Fuel's endeavors, starting the series with a victory that echoed the success of their upper bracket run. A rush composition for the Gladiators on King's Row proved to best the Fuel once more, even after a prolonged skirmish on the first point. Twice the Fuel won a fight at the point, and twice they kept the point unattended for the Gladiators to back cap. Multiple spawn camps from the Gladiators gave them their second of four wins while the Fuel hopped, hoped to grab hold of a single map. The Fuel's desperation to find a single pick on the Gladiators was clear from the start of Route 66. No member of the Fuel seemed to care about Kevster's tracer free-firing on the entire team, increasing his ultimate charge in mere seconds and forcing the Fuel to continue to change their hero comps to find something that worked. The Fuel's attempt to mimic the spawn camping from the Gladiators backfired during their defense phase, bringing the Gladiators to match point. A final push through Colosseo marked the end of the Fuel's run. A valiant push <laughs> from the Fuel ultimately resulted in a level of discoordination from the team that plagued them from the entire series. One final nano-visor nano from Patapan, Patapan cemented the sweep for the Gladiators in the kickoff clash finals and earned them the trophy. This was the first time the Dallas Fuel have participated in a tournament series tournament final since last year's summer showdown, while the Los Angeles Gladiators won the 2021 Countdown Cup. Both teams participated in the playoffs, but ended in the middle of the standings. This year has already been exceptional for both Fuel and Gladiators entering the kickoff clash as the second and third seeds and venturing all the way to the finals. The Los Angeles Gladiators head into the next step of the Overwatch League with an additional three league points under their belts. They are set to continue their season on June 18th against the Paris Eternal. So there you have it. That's a bit of a breakdown of the final game with the uh, Los Angeles Gladiators 4-0 sweeping the Dallas Fuel. It was an exciting match to say the least. Um, the Gladiators were dominant, although the Fuel did not necessarily um, show no signs of life. Um, I did think they put up a good fight at certain points. Um, I did think that they, they actually managed to... Uh, to counter some of the plays that the Gladiators were making, but it largely looked like, uh, well, you could tell the Gladiators were controlling the match. Even when the Gladiators fumbled and the Fuel would win a fight, you could tell the Gladiators were playing with a certain level of swagger and a certain level of confidence that they knew they would take control again and come out on top. And boy, oh boy, did they come out on top. So, round of applause for the Gladiators, of course. Now, before we cover the rest of the uh, tournament, I do want to talk a little bit about this article here. Another one from .esports.com, this time by Adam Snavely, posted on June 6th, that was yesterday, written by the, uh, which reads, Overwatch League's 2022 kickoff clash peaks at 121,000 viewers. The Overwatch League completed the first stage of its regular season, the kickoff clash, yesterday with the Los Angeles Gladiators claiming the first tournament of 2022, and just like last year's May Melee, the opening week of competition led the way in terms of viewership. The 2022 kickoff clash peaked at, uh, posted a peak viewership of 121,227 people tuning in at one point to see the Gladiators take on the New York Excelsior in their first match of the 2022 season. Figures stayed high on day one, with the other two matches from the first day of the opening weekend also peaking at well over 100,000 viewers, according to esports charts. While the peak viewership numbers for the first stage of the regular season were solid and actually improved upon viewership numbers from 2021's May Melee, the average viewership totals for the stage will give OWL some cause for concern. The average viewership of the 2021 May Melee was much stronger than the 2022's kickoff clash, according to esports charts. 
Last year's first stage peaked at 113,467 viewers, also occurring on the opening weekend of play. But the average viewership for matches in the May Melee came in at 69,138 viewers, while the Kickoff Clash only managed an average viewership of 50,201 viewers. Despite improving on peak viewership, it appears that the new season failed to retain viewers as well as the league did last year. The improved peak in the opening week weekend of 2022 was most likely due to the league's transitioning to 5 versus 5 play and the debut of new maps and game modes coming with Overwatch 2. With these changes altering the entire way Overwatch is played, it's natural that fans were curious about what professional play would look like. It doesn't seem that the Overwatch 2 patch succeeded in recapturing the imagination of lapsed fans, however. The decline in average viewership could also be chalked up to the extensive technical issues that have plagued OWL broadcasts so far this season. Viewers have complained at length about continued issues with frame rates while trying to watch matches on YouTube. While the kickoff clash featured a triumphant return to LAN events for OWL after going so long without them due to COVID-19, the viewership numbers are at best fairly average for the league and at worst a sign that viewers aren't sticking around. Currently in the last year of its exclusive broadcast deal with YouTube, the league will be keen to improve upon the kickoff clash numbers if it hopes to secure a new deal in the future. So there you go. Lots of lots of important context in there. Um, the, comparing the past season to this current season, one thing that I think they actually missed in that is the fact that there were um, drops to the beta, large to the Overwatch Two beta, largely tied to um, to the not necessarily the Kickoff Clash Finals that we just watched, but earlier on in the season, they talked a lot about the early viewership in the season, but they didn't mention that. And it's actually kind of interesting that we didn't see a larger spike because of that. Um, although maybe I'm taking that out of context. Maybe they were only talking about the kickoff clash here. Anyways, I digress. Um, interesting comparison points, interesting stuff. Obviously, there's, it's it's not a significant decline, if you ask me. 69,000 to 50,000 is not significant enough to make the league really bad an eye, especially given the fact that they know... Um, this season is kind of the, in, in a lot of ways, although it's the sort of step into the new, it's more of a, a foot in the door than anything. It's not a full-on step. I think when we see uh, details about next season of the Overwatch League truly announced and, and launched, we will then have a larger pop. We'll have a real jump into the new season, jump into the new game, uh, because the two will no doubt be launching if not simultaneously, um, at least somewhere around each other. Uh, I think it's a given that Overwatch 2 has a full release um, before or right around the same time as the sixth season of the Overwatch League kicks off. So anyways, I digress. Wanted to bring that up because, like I say, there's some some interesting details in there. So with that, we're going to move on over to talk a little bit about the tournament. So again, I'll recap the East. I'm just going to kind of cover the scores because, again, I didn't really watch much of the East. And then I'll go over the West and I'll kind of touch on a few more of those games because I did watch a number of those games as well. So first things first, over on the Eastern side, winners round one, we saw the Philadelphia Fusion beat the Hangzhou Spark 3-1, to pushing the Spark to the loser's bracket. We then saw the Seoul Dynasty take on the Shanghai Dragons and Shanghai came out on top 3-2, pushing the Seoul Dynasty to the loser's bracket. So, our first loser's round game then, commencing on June 4th, was the Seoul Dynasty playing against the Hangzhou Spark. We then saw the Seoul Dynasty taking the Hangzhou Spark out in a 3-0 manner. 
pretty surprising stuff for most, I think. I think Hangzhou uh, seemingly was coming into this tournament cycle uh, on the top of their game. They they had the best record, if I'm not mistaken. And I think everyone was pretty well um, looking forward to seeing them play against Philly because Philly seemed to be a pretty dominant force as well. However, that is not the case. Seoul advances through the loser's bracket and the Hangzhou Spark are out of the tournament. On day two, we saw the uh or then continuing day two sorry we saw the philadelphia fusion take on the shanghai dragons and of course we saw the shanghai dragons falter once again and get knocked down to the losers bracket with philly taking them out in a three to zero fashion so kind of upset so far i think i mean someone had to lose in seoul versus shanghai so um not necessarily an upset there but seeing philly already beat the hangzhou spark knock them to the losers final then hangzhou being out then philly knocking the uh former champion shanghai dragons down to the losers bracket i don't know that many people predicted that um i definitely think uh, Shanghai was largely favored given their history, but I think most of us are going to have to reevaluate where we rank Shanghai at this point in the season. So we then move on to our final day in the Eastern bracket with the losers round two, where we saw the Seoul Dynasty beat the Shanghai Dragons 3-2. Seoul advances to the final to play the Philadelphia Fusion, and our final game in the East sees the Seoul Dynasty complete a steamroll 4-0 win over the Philadelphia Fusion. So congrats to all you Seoul fans. Um, Philly obviously performing exceedingly well. Shanghai maybe being a bit of a disappointment. Hangzhou Spark being maybe a bit of a disappointment. But I digress. Seoul is on top. And Seoul, congratulations on your win. Now, let's move on over to the Western region to break down some of these games real quick. Again, I'm not going to do a full recap of, the, of these games, but uh, I'll touch a little bit on some of the games that I watched. So, winners round one. Of course, our first day of matches in the West. We saw the Washington Justice take on the San Francisco Shock, and we had our first team get knocked down to the loser's bracket as the Shock beat the Justice 3-2. to two. After that, we saw the Atlanta Reign take on the Florida Mayhem, and unfortunately knocking my mayhem down to the loser's bracket with a 3-1 win for Atlanta. Then the Houston Outlaws took on the Los Angeles Gladiators, and the Gladiators, of course, steamrolled the Houston Outlaws, knocking them to the loser's bracket 3-0. And finally, we saw the Toronto Defiant get bested by the Dallas Fuel in another 3-0 fashion. Now, I did, of these games, the one that I do want to talk about is the Toronto Defiant versus Dallas Fuel. Of course, as as we all know, I'm a Toronto fan. Um, I am a casual fan of the Dallas Fuel, but I was cheering for Toronto because I really wanted to see them do well um, and advance in this tournament. I actually thought this match was pretty good for the Toronto Defiant. Now, it should be no surprise that Dallas 3 owed Toronto, given they did this just mere, I, I want to say a week before, maybe two weeks before the actual tournament. So it wasn't surprising when Dallas picked Toronto to go against in the first round. Um, however, I thought Toronto put up a good fight. Yes, Dallas was clearly the better team. Yes, Dallas had the edge. I think Toronto could have gotten a map off of them. Um, and I did think that Toronto played well. It's kind of similar to the Gladiators versus the Dallas uh, final in that Dallas Fuel just were able to capitalize on Toronto better um, and really take advantage of the mistakes Toronto would make. Every now and then you see a glimmer of hope for Toronto, and like I say, it would seem like, oh, that was a that was a good attack or something like that. Um, but then Dallas would just come back on their attack and just be that much better than the Toronto Defiant, ultimately knocking them to the losers bracket as well. So we then move on to 
day two in the West, where we start in the winner's bracket. And of course, we have the Atlanta Rain taking on the San Francisco Shock. I did not watch this game, but I wish I had, because the Atlanta Rain bested the Shock 3-1, knocking them to the loser's bracket. After that, the Los Angeles Gladiators bested the Dallas Fuel 3-1. Knocking them, knocking Dallas to the losers bracket, and of course, meaning we would have an Atlanta versus Los Angeles fine, uh, sorry, semifinal. Then we jump down to the losers round one, where we saw the Washington Justice get bested by the Florida Mayhem three one. Yes, go Florida! So happy to see that Washington get the hell out of here. After that final match of day two, saw the Toronto Defiant get bested by the Houston Outlaws three one. Unfortunate, especially given Toronto was the team that, or one of the teams that kind of sort of showed the world the flaws with Houston and really uh, had some really good matches against them earlier in the season. So really too bad that Toronto wasn't able to uh, to get a win here. Would have been great to see Toronto advance and just, you know, just get that much closer, get that much further in the tournament. Unfortunately, I mean, they would have gone against the Shock and I'm not sure they would have had a better fate there. But I digress. There goes Toronto. Houston advances 3-1 Houston. Then on day three, our matches started with, this is June 4th, June 4th. Our matches started with a loser's round match, seeing the Florida Mayhem take on the Dallas Fuel, and Dallas takes the win 3-1. Unfortunately, I did not watch this match, but I did not have much faith that the Florida Mayhem would come out on top of Dallas. Then, of course, the San Francisco Shock best the Houston Outlaws. No surprise there. San Francisco Shock set to make their run through the lower bracket. Finally, uh, we move up to our winner's round one match uh, on June 4th, where we saw the Atlanta Rain get steamrolled by the Los Angeles Gladiators. I did not watch this match, but I suspect it was a quick one. 3-0 for the Glads. Then we finally come to our last game on the second last day of the tournament, where the Dallas Fuel... 3 owed the shock in great fashion. And, you know, for as much as I like, I do like shock, and I think it would be cool if they won again, because, you know, they'd be the only team to win three times. Um, they're the only team to win twice. But anyways, the grand championship I'm talking about, of course. The Dallas Fuel managed to knock them out of the loser's bracket, meaning that Dallas will play again on Sunday, and the San Francisco Shock are out of there. We then have our loser's round four match the first match of the day on june 5th with the dallas fuel taking a 3-1 win over atlanta not incredibly surprising there uh i think atlanta although the they have some positives to take out of this they also have some work to do obviously their big positive that they get is they managed to best the san francisco shock um they actually started the fall of the shock if you will uh you know knocked them into the losers bracket obviously shock got the win against houston but then they had to face dallas and they were out of there so dallas beats Atlanta 3-1. Dallas goes on to play a second match of the day against the Glads, and we all know how that one turned out. 0-4 and four for the Glads. The Glads come out on top. The Glads are your kickoff clash champions. So if we take a look at the standings now, we take a look at the 2022 regular season. Um, we do see the San Francisco Shock sitting pretty in the top position uh, with seven points. We see the Dallas Fuel also sitting with seven points in second, and the Glads in third with seven points as well all of that comes down to their map differential um and and win loss obviously dallas or sorry gladiators get some extra points for uh coming in first uh in that tournament cycle i'm not sure if this is reflecting that but i digress that's where we sit um soul sitting pretty on top in the east and that's our standings as of now so that's what things looked like over this past weekend now i've got to admit upcoming games if we jump to 
week six. So that would be this coming weekend. We, of course, have a week off. 10th, 11th, 12th, we will not have any matches. Um, they like to give these breaks to the players, to the teams, to the orgs, and everything like that. We will be returning to matches on Thursday the 16th. So we got a couple Thursday matches again. We got three Thursday matches. So let's take a quick peek at those. I'll just quickly touch on them. Um, Pickums are not yet open for this uh, this season, um, or for, for this upcoming tournament cycle. I'm going to do those in next week's episode. So Thursday, June 16th at 1 p.m., we have the Florida Mayhem taking on the London Spitfire. Uh, should actually be a decent match, if you ask me. Um, now that now that I think about it, I mean, as we know, London's been on a bit of a hot streak. They've been taking some wins off teams that I don't think many people would have uh, suspected they would take wins off of. So London looking to come back big. Uh, Florida, of course, hoping to continue their streak and, and continue uh, working hard as they have been. Then we have the Dallas Field taking on the San Francisco Shock. So that should be a really good match, um, given everything we saw in the tournament with Dallas and San Francisco. Um, and, and, you know, San Francisco, no doubt, going to come back with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. We then have the New York Excelsior against the Washington Justice. Obviously, New York missing out on the tournament cycle, uh, having only one win this season thus far. Washington sitting pretty at that good old 500. They have a 3-3 record with zero map differential. They are perfectly in the middle there. Then the Toronto Defiant taking on the London Spitfire. Again, another one that could be a bit of a sleeper match. Um, you know, London, like I say, looking to come out hot. Kind of, you know, I, I feel like, Florida and Toronto both have the edge over London, but London looking to punch up. Definitely, uh, you could see them put up a good fight against both those teams. The Atlanta Reign then take... Oh, sorry, we moved on to Friday here. I didn't mention that. The Atlanta Reign then take on the Boston Uprising, um, which, I'll be honest, probably not going to be a crazy match. Uh, Boston, although we know they had some drama at the end of the tournament cycle there, uh, you know, before the actual uh, tournament uh, uh, happened. Um Getting rid of a few players, maybe trimming some of the fat. So looking to come out big for them, I'm sure. Um, and of course, the Atlanta Reign also having a bit of a chip on their shoulder after their performance in the tournament, making it as far as they did, but ultimately not being able to come out on top above some of those uh, sort of top teams, if you will. Our final match on Friday, June 17th at 4 p.m. Mountain Time features the Vancouver Titans taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. Now, I was talking before, obviously, uh, Vancouver, wouldn't it be great if they could get a win coming out of, uh, coming off of the break with, under their new coach, under their new leadership with Depay in charge? I don't think they're getting the win. Not against the, uh, Los Angeles Gladiators, who will no doubt be looking to 3-0 the Vancouver Titans. So, after that, we see the Houston Outlaws looking to take on the Washington Justice. Uh, could be a fairly even match. Um, Washington, again, if Washington wants to... Uh, you know, pick at Houston until they begin to decay, then uh, certainly Washington might come out on top. But I, I would give the edge to Houston here. We then have the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the Paris Eternal. So basically, Glad's getting a free weekend of wins here, it would seem. Although hopefully Paris is able to put up a fight. Paris, you know, seeming to have a bit of a bump at the end of the season there. Um, bringing in Wub and starting to improve some performance, so maybe they'll 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 show up. But ultimately, Glads are looking mighty scary right now. We then see the Dallas Fuel take on the Atlanta Rain, which again could be another exciting match. Dallas having a couple of good, exciting, and and likely tough matches here. Uh, first playing San Francisco Shock and then playing the Atlanta Rain. That one could be one to watch. We're now on Saturday as well. That was the final game on Saturday. Then we come to Sunday, Sunday, June nineteenth, one p.m. 
This one is probably going to be my match of the weekend. Honestly, Sunday, 1 p.m., June 19th, we see the Toronto Defiant taken on the Florida Mayhem. My Two of my favorite teams here, Toronto because of the Canadian edge, obviously, um, and the org and everything like that. Florida because of their Florida, and I love them. Um, so this one, honestly, could be a pretty exciting match. Right now, Florida sitting in fourth, Toronto sitting in sixth, both teams with a record of uh, four and two. Um, could be really interesting. Could be some exciting stuff here. I think this one, I think these two teams are fairly evenly matched. I would probably give the edge to Florida. But if Toronto comes out, if Toronto is able to really pop off, um, especially I think I actually liked that in the tournament we saw Although and Finale play together, whereas previously it's been uh, Although and Hisu or Finale and Hisu. Um, I actually really liked that look, and I'm hoping they continue to build on that and improve. Moving on from there, the Boston Uprising taking on San Francisco Shock. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, Boston looking looking to continue their upward trajectory. Going to be a tough one against San Francisco for sure. Then we have the Paris Eternal taking on the New York Excelsior. This match has a potential to actually pop off and to give the Paris Eternal their first win of the season. And guess what? If Paris gets their first win there, then we have a definitive last place in the Western region with the Vancouver Titans sitting at a record of 0-6. and six. And guess what? Our final match on Sunday, June 19th at 5.30 p.m., Vancouver Titans taking on the Houston Outlaws. So, looking like there's a chance Paris could get a win uh, when we return to play uh, in Owl Season 5 for the mid-season Madness qualifiers. So, you know... I'm, I'm going to cross my fingers that Paris can come out on top of uh, New York there. Unfortunate for New York, because I think New York will have a tough weekend if they lose to the Justice and Paris. Um, but ultimately, if Paris can come out with a win there, like I say, all that does in my mind is, is really establish the loser in the West. So Now... That's actually all we have for today. I know it's a little bit of a shorter episode, but obviously I like to uh, read through the recaps that are posted on some of these uh, some of these other sites, just because I think uh, they do they capture a better summary. And obviously, you know, they take notes on the games, which I don't. I just watch them. Um, so, anyways, thank you, Dot Esports, for that. Uh, if you are a returning listener. Thank you so much for listening to episode 75 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Thank you for listening to me at Sir Dr. JM Ramble for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. Um, if you enjoy what you heard here on One Man Watchpoint, please share the wealth, let your friends know, like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. You can find One Man Watchpoint on podcast services everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, also check out Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where I am lucky enough to be the third chair with my hosts, Chris and Alex, as they guide us through everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. Once again, thank you so much for listening to episode 75. Our kickoff clash champions have been crowned. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Gladiators. Congratulations to the Seoul Dynasty. And we will catch you in a week's time as we move into the Midseason Madness Tournament. I need healing.